red light yeah yeah are we on are we on Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen, Allahumma salli wa sallim, mubarak ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Allahumma la sahli illa ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta tajlul hizna idha shi'at sahla, Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrik wa husna ibadatik ya rabbil kareem. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Righty ho folks, so um, a slightly shortened lesson uh, uh, this week, okay, or this lesson, and... Um, uh, what we're going to do, inshallah, is um, the. It's nice, subhanallah. Not so much fiqh, but a lot of uh, 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 a lot of discussion about du'a, which is nice. Which is nice. So the lessons about du'a al istiftah, okay? This uh, subhanakallahumma bihamdika wa tabarakasmuk that we will know, and it's about time to learn some stuff about it. Actually, that we didn't know. All right. Uh, what do we call it? What do Pax call it? What sana? Sana. Thana. Whatever. Thana. So, uh, you know why it's called Thana? Anyone know why? What is Thana? What is Thana? Pax call it Thana, isn't it? The word, and Pax, and if you understand it, if Pax got the, the Tha and the Sa, the proper way around, then they call it Thana. But it, obviously the word is Thana. That's the actual word, Thana. And Thana means... No, no. I mean, you're right that that's his root from a thani, yeah. Praise, yeah, type of praise. It's difficult to be honest to differentiate it from the word hamd. But it's like uh, praise. I mean, I'll be honest with you, all my life I've struggled to, to really articulate the difference between hamd and thana. But, yani, it's like. I, I, don't in any way take this as some kind of authoritative Arabic description difference. But I feel that thana is a more active kind of thing and that hamd is a more passive kind of thing. Um, even if that doesn't make any sense, but that's what I feel. But I just want you to know uh, that uh, uh, for example, in the dua of the statement of the Prophet ﷺ, uh, Allah, the Prophet ﷺ said, "Anta kama athnita ala nafsik, right? Anta kama athnita ala nafsik, yani is this supreme expression where the person basically admits, you know what? I'm trying to thank you and I'm trying to praise you and I'm trying to exalt you. To be honest, anta kama athnita ala nafsik. You know, you're really as praised as you have praised yourself." Or you can only be appraised like you have appraised yourself. Maybe appraise might work. Maybe that might work. Okay? Like you're the one who knows how to describe yourself, subhana, with the perfect words. We always come up short. We don't want to use the word thanks. Okay? And I might have spoken to you about this before in other lessons. But I want you to understand that the word shukr, okay? Uh, maybe you haven't actually in logical progression, but I want you to know that one of the great, great blessings of Surah Al-Fatiha, right, is that when you start off with the beginning line, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, its opening line, all of its power is in its opening, that all the praise is due to the Lord of the worlds, all of the praise, not all of the thanks, because immediately the big difference between thanks and praise is that thanks is responsive, and, and, and praise is non-conditional. 
So when someone gives you something, you say thank you. And if someone doesn't give you nothing, then no thank you. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, no, nothing for you. You didn't give me anything. What did you do for me? You did nothing for me. So there's nothing, right? So thanks is something that, you know, you've got to think about it. You've got to appreciate it. And because some people won't, you know, you know when some people, uh, he didn't even say thank you. Like he's not even, either that person was ungrateful or he didn't even perceive that he owed something back at least to say thank you. So the word thanks has almost like a kind of contingency aspect to it and it also has like a time limit aspect to it like a person either does it within a set time or doesn't and normally in response to an event or an incident or some kind of khair. And so therefore that would add that like for example yani if I if I was to yeah let's use like a good one I'm teaching this this is obviously uh, it's knowledge it's highly valuable but maybe you don't value it but if I give you a sweet and you say thanks, I, I'd be, I, I would be in my right to say, and no thanks for the fact that for the last half hour I've been teaching about this, that, whatever, you know, as an example. And so therefore, I've been undervalued, tr- truthfully. And you've actually only given me very little respect and deserving. That, that's, that's the point of contingency. It's contingent not just upon me doing something, but it's also contingent upon you actually appreciating it. You get what I'm saying? You get my point? That's why the word thanks is a very weak word, actually. A weak concept. And again, I'm kind of, you know, from my own pocket. That's also why even within thanks, there are, um, there are kind of levels as well. So the one who shows shukr, yani is not as powerful as the shakir. Yani the one who's in a constant kind of state or more kind of, you know, thanking, etc., 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 which therefore, if you understand what I'm saying, then you realize that the word hamd, put the uh, um, uh, portal on as well so that we can... You know, one thing I noticed is that I'm not connecting with the questions and comments of the, of the class as well. That's important. Uh, Abdul Mateen, not enough, bro. Not enough. That's the answer to your question. Um, uh, uh, hamd, now you start to realize that we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Regardless whether we see it, realize it, think about it, don't think about it. You know what I'm trying to say? It's like a constant reality. It's just like a sa- it's, it's safety for us that we don't have to be in a perceptive mood. You don't have to be thinking straight. We just know that we are in constant gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you know what I mean? That we completely owe Him all the time. Whether we're having a good day or a bad day, whether we're aware of it or not, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always deserving of thanks and that's called praise. And I, I, I like that, the permanency of that. So that's easy to see the difference between that. It's not easy then to differentiate between hamd and thana. And it was almost like, you know, the hamd is there, and then, you know, the thana is like a further descriptive praise. I don't know. I don't know Arabic well enough, or English, actually. I don't know English well enough to be able to work out the difference. Okay? Um, so, so, this... Uh, 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 dua or this opening subhanakallahumma bihamdika which is the first thing that is said after you enter into the prayer so Allahu Akbar okay we've been we, we covered so far that we raise the hands and the hands go towards ears and shoulders and so on and so forth we recognize we say Allahu Akbar okay and once you say Allahu Akbar and you're in we've now said that your hand goes on your left right so right on the left and we said that there's some variability about where it goes and we said the class position is the chest, right on left. That's wada, that's qabda. And now what's the first thing that you say? A lot of, a lot of people, they think, it's a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim, bismillahirrahmanirrahim, subhanakallahumma. Or, a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim, bismillahirrahmanirrahim, alhamdulillahirrahmanirrahim. 
That's probably the majority of the opinions that people have in their minds. Okay? And they do get things mixed up. So the first thing you've learned is that the very first thing you say without any isti'adha, that's awudh billah mishra rajim, without any basmala, that's bismillah ar-Rahman rahim so you don't say that, you go bam, straight into your du'a'ul istiftah. And that's what it's technically called. The supplication of the opening supplication. It's the mood setter. Right? It's the scene kind of setting moment. You establish yani, what you've just entered, what you're here for, who you're standing in front of, and then bam, we're going to start with the Fatiha, which is the greatest thing that's ever been revealed from the Quran. So it's the scene setter. That's why it's called Dua al Istiftah. The Dua of al Istiftah, seeking to open something. And the Fatiha is the opener. So it has to come before it. So it's like almost the opening, it's the key to opening the Fatiha itself, which opens up the whole Salah. You get what I'm trying to say? So it's like, it's it's got levels to it actually, this istiftah concept. Because it means to seek to open. And the Fatiha is the opener. That's what the word means, from Fatah. Al-Fatiha, yani the opening. So you're the opening, you're the opener of the opening. It's like, as as, as I said, it's like a, key which unlocks the magic of the Fatiha and the Salah. And it's the key that opens the power of the prayer. So that is why you need to invest in your Dua al-Istiftah. And that's why Pak's called it Thana. Because they recognize that the best way to open the prayer and to get what I'm going to want from this is to praise Allah as much as possible. So they just called it praise. They just called it praise. Now that opens up another interesting concept. Is the is the and Sheikh Uthameen doesn't speak about this, which is why I haven't even started with the, the notes there, but just conceptually speaking. Okay, and this is actually for those who are we've already done a dua suli for istiftah would be istiftah. So I S then T I F istiftah T double A H if you are going to do it in that kind of English way, okay? But you will see in our notes, if you click on the, 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 the notes, we've been improving everything week by week. Our tech team, by the way, is yeah, working out that he's out of the skin, right? And by next week, we'll have even full functionality. We'll have all the old notes back that people made in the first few lessons. We'll have the ability to be able to uh, uh, um, edit the notes, uh, edit the comments, Edit, uh, export the notes and save them separately. All everything, inshallah, by next week or the week after is going to be done. So, if you look at the notes, I have put the right spelling for istiftah as well. The class notes. What's it called? Chaz? Study notes. And then Zad al Mustaqnir. What was it called? Study material. You click on study material above the video, and then Zad al Mustaqnir. Okay, Zad al yeah, when you press, all of you guys, yeah, when you press these, the notes thing, if it doesn't open up, then you press reload. It just sometimes, yeah, correct, yeah. Mace is just taking it straight from the notes right there. That is how we write, the du'a al-istiftah. Yeah. Okay, and this is Zayda Yeah. Sometimes if it doesn't load like here, you just press this reload button. And then it, it reloads again, yeah. 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 So, so Zad al-Mustaqnit, we are at uh, the third line, if you look at it. So he looks at his place of prostration. And then he says, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik wa tabarak asmuk wa ta'ala jadduk wa la ilaha ghayruk. Bring it down the translation so we can read it. He then says, Allah Akbar, da, 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 da. he then grasps his wrists, uh, his left wrist under his navel and looks at his place of prostration and then says, and what I've done there 
is to transliterate it. Okay, you should be used to this idea by now. Transliteration means to write the Arabic in English. So subhanak, so the, ha, the dot, the H with the dot is a ha, and the A with the line across it is a double A. So subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika wa tabarakasmuka, the double S is the shadda, kasmuka, wa ta'a, and if you look at that inverted apostrophe, that's the ain, wa ta'ala jadduka, double D for the, for the uh, shadda, jadduka, wa la ilaha, Ghayruka. Okay, that's the that's the Arabic translate. That's the Arabic, but written in English, in academic style, right? Translation. This is a working translation. Maybe today, you know, with you guys uh, uh, contributing, then it will be made better. Okay, and I've started off with you are transcendent above all, O Allah, and praise is due to you. Blessed is your name, exalted is your Majesty. And there is nothing worthy of worship except you. Okay? That's the opening. And if you look at it, alright, just straight away, just look at that translation. You are transcendent above all, Ya Allah. You're most high. Okay? Right? And blessed is thy name, as we know from the Christian uh, 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 tradition. Exalted is thy, is thy majesty. Again, also from the Christian tradition. Yeah? And there is nothing worthy of worship except you. Can you see a dua in there? No. no. And that's why the Pax called it thuna. You get what I'm saying? Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. This, this version is without doubt the most famous of all the dua list if had. Okay? If that's a plural that I even said right. Okay? Um, without a doubt the most famous. But without doubt the one of the most weakest no doubt that this has problems in its chain which when you gather all of the riwayat together it fixes itself and it's go, good to go with it's good to use but as a straight off yani statement there are issues yani some said it's a statement of umar not not narrated by the prophet sallallahu indicates a little bit of weakness the muhaddithin for years have always yani mentioned some issues but the point is is that like shaykh al-bani doesn't sifat the salah here when he uh, collects it he gives enough and I'm, i like i like the fact that he yani didn't attack it he considered the supporting narrations and it's true from a supporting narration point of view the hadith is authentic now um, that's also uh, culturally supported by how massively it's spread. It's like the quintessential opening du'a, right? Amongst the Pakistan, the Indians, the South Asians, which are the, the largest diaspora of Muslims, frankly, okay? Amongst the Arabs, we did this last week, did we? Or a couple of weeks ago when we did the poll? Uh, people of who, what is it that you learned when you were young? Yeah, but the thing is, we've got too many Pakistan here, obviously, but Sarah's here, so at least I'm token Arab, yeah? Token, token Arab, always like a token Arab. Did you learn this when you were young? Um, this, version, this version, yeah? That was the household taught version. Interesting, interesting. Because with the Arabs, right, it's almost like a 50-50 split between this one and the most authentic version. Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya. Which is Bukhari Muslim, which is like gold version, right? But the Pakistan had one look at that and they said, you're having a laugh, man. It's like long. You know what I'm saying? It's like proper long, right? So they probably said, yeah. We'll just take the, we'll take the one-liner. Subhanakallah wa bihamdika wa tabarakasmaka wa ta'ala jaddu. That's what Abu Dhar said anyway, when he was learning it. Isn't it, bro? So, um, so what's interesting is that 
when you look at the other more authentic versions, you definitely get the proper dua feel, right? So that's what I want to speak about today. I want to speak about the concept of dua, thana, at the beginning, what the scholars said, what kind of prayers, is it obligatory, nafil? I want to go into a bit of that, even though Sheikh Uthameen didn't, okay? He didn't. Maybe that's because he does so later, I don't know. But I do want to share a few uh, kind of uh, thoughts on it. But I just find it fascinating that its common name of thana is really linked to the nature of subhanakallahumma in the first place. It's just praise, praise, praise. It's just all of the, you know, the putting forward of the praises to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before you ask, ask, ask. And, and, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, it's the most important lesson that you will learn in dua, okay? That when you are going to anyone to ask for anything, you always start with a smile, nice clothes, good yani, demeanor, praiseworthy words, good morning, good to see you. And no one goes in and says, I want this now. No one in any form of life, in any kind of contract, in any kind of transaction. So let alone when you're asking for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for everything in the dunya and the akhirah. So you need to put something forward. Okay? And normally in life, uh, it's everything that we do in the corporate world. And it's everything out of respect, cultural respect with our parents and family. And then when it's the sunnah, when it's the deen, for example, in the, in the Qur'an, Allah tells us to give what? Before you ask the Prophet for something? What do you? Sadaqah. Okay? Give sadaqah before you ask the Prophet questions and be in his company and so on and so forth. This ayah is, is obligatory or what? Shazad Salim? Is this ayah obligatory? Is the giving sadaqah obligatory? Before you speak to the Prophet Sallallahu No. It's abrogated. This is one of the famous abrogated ayats. Okay? Some even said it's not even abrogated actually. Okay? Some even said it's not abrogated. But the point is, is that you always, before you do something of khair, you fast, you pray, you give sadaqah, and uh, 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 to, you know, like the Prophet Sallallahu he said that, when, uh, I like to fast on Mondays and Thursdays, especially Thursdays, because that's the days that the actions are, Presented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I like to do that wa anasaim. Because I want it to be presented in the best kind of state. So I want you to understand praise before. It might seem strange that you lift up your hands in dua. And this is your moment now to ask. And actually you spend half of it just thanking and praising Allah. And not actually asking for anything. But if you stop and think about it for literally five seconds. It makes all the sense in the world. Of course you would. Right? And as I said before. This is the number one lesson you learn from Surah Al-Fatiha. Right? If you look at the structure of Fatiha, right? So, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, or praise be to Allah, Lord of the worlds, Ar Rahman Ar Rahim, Malik Yomidin, it's all this description, right? Yani, you've just wasted half of Fatiha and you've just been describing Allah, where's what I want, right? But the difference, of course, is that Allah is the one who taught us the Fatiha. We didn't. We didn't make it up. Allah gave it to us, and He gave it to us as a very special gift, as the hadith of Prophet said in Tirmidhi, that never has any of the creation ever been given a gift more special than Al-Fatiha. Better than anything that the Jews were given, and the Christians were given, and whatever. It is the Fatiha. It's the treasure of the Quran. And there's so many ayat about Fatiha, which we will cover when we come to Al-Fatiha. But the point is, is that Allah is the one who taught us it, and Allah made half of it just praising Him, Teaching us the adab of praising him, teaching us the adab, the and when I say when I use the word adab, I mean the manner, the methodology, the right way of making dua, that you respect the person before you actually ask, okay? And all the way into right into the, in the middle. So it's you that we worship, 
which is representing all of the praising, the praising. That's what, what worship is. It's just praising, praising, praising. And then it's you alone that we seek help from and we seek our needs from and we seek what we want from and a dua from dunya and a dua in the akhirah. And then the next half is all the dua. It's all us, 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 us. And then in the surah you choose, it could be all us, us, us. And then in the ruku' and then in the sujood. So everything that follows after is us, us, us. It's all selfish. It's just purely us. You get what I'm saying? And then what's going to follow afterwards is a little portion for the Prophet And then this huge area, which we don't use very well at all, frankly, all right, which is the pre-taslim, pre-salam, so after the tashahud, after the durood sharif, salawat ibrahimiyah, innaka hamidun majid, okay, from here until, assalamu alaikum rahmatullah, this could be five minutes of dua. It's an open uh, uh, part that you're meant to increase your dua. Obviously, Paks only know, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirah. And then I said, or if you've gone to the next level, then Rabbi ja'al mukim salati. And then, Islam alaykum salatullah, I said. And then when you start practicing, you add, Allahumma inni dhulamtu nafsi dhulman kathira. And then you think, you know, I'm, 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 I'm done. I'm done and that's it. So I want you to know that actually if you look in the books of Hadith, here's something really interesting. If you look in the books of Hadith, you know, um, you know the word uh, 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 when we say the end, the end of something, yani aqib right? At the end of something, there's a difference of opinion whether the word end means the end or after. Yani when you study the, like if, uh, uh, did we do, did Sheikh Walid ever teach the Dhikr uh, Adhkar uh, in Manchester? No. Yani, you know, one of the really interesting things that you will learn is that nearly every dua that you know, nearly every dua that you know, not all of them, obviously, but nearly uh, uh, everyone, that, every dua that you know and memorized that you say after salah, like subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah. But that's the obvious exemption because we have the hadith of the Prophet saying that he used to make this with his fingers. So that's obviously not happening in the prayer. But like others, like Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik, like Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam, like, like, like. And there's another maybe 20, 30 hadith that have duas. The scholars differed whether this is actually being said before salam or after salam. Now imagine that a lot of people sit there for 5-10 minutes after salah, relax, making lots of dua, right? Uh, or adhkar. What if you're now learning or realizing that actually all of that is inside the prayer? Now you're getting an understanding of actually how much dua is actually said or how long that theoretically could be, theoretically. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that this, uh, as, as, uh, as Nadim says, okay, it's like a eulogy. I like that. You, the, the, the eulogy starts at the beginning, right? To establish the scene that you make yourself feel worthy that I'm asking what I'm about to ask for, and then you go. And that's what the middle of the Fatiha uh, says. And actually, in the hadith of Sahih Muslim, the famous, famous hadith of Abu Huraira, the hadith Qudsi, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, When my slave says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, then I turn to the angels. The Prophet it's not hadith, it's hadith Qudsi in that Allah has been quoted, but it's the Prophet speaking. He says, when the servant then says, Alhamdulillah, Allah turns to the angels and he says, did you see my slave? Hamidani abdi. My slave just praised me. Right? So he's so proud, subhanAllah, to his angels who are praising him all the time. So you think, why is he proud? Because they are forced to and we do out a choice. So the angels, 
Yani they don't get tired. They are in a permanent state of worship, praise, tawaf. They come to Ma'abayt al-Ma'mur, 7,000 in, 70,000 out, never come back again. 7,000 more come in. And they're all just making tasbih and tawaf, tasbih and tawaf, and salah and everything, yani all the time. But that's what they were created for that. They don't sin, they can't make a mistake, they don't get tired. It's just a continuous yani, flow of purity. Human beings, there's that, and I think we all recognize it very well, that there's a, there's a difference between the dua of the guy who does it every day and you know, he's just yani, in that dua and the guy who sins and he's, he's broken and his dua. is a different level, different value. A person who makes a decision to come back, that's why we said toba, which, is, which necessitates sin before it, obviously, because you're coming back from sin. That's what toba means, repentance, okay? Penitence means that you are regretting something you did and you're coming back from it, recovering from it. Toba is super powerful. That's what people don't understand, actually. Yeah, uh, Sheikh Uthameen is going to speak uh, afterwards about what perfection is. And what you're going to learn is just how perfect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, uh, actions are, justice-wise and, and favor. But you know what people don't realize is that... Um, you know when it comes to people making mistakes and sins and crimes, crimes especially, right? And we think that the crime is so, so serious because it is. And we want, and we have a bloodlust or we want some kind of public popular justice or populist justice. And that desire for that at the individual level is, a, is, a, is, a recogn- is, an, is an admission of a lack of understanding of the power of Toba. Yani, what I'm trying to say is that our desire for us to make Tawbah and our desire for other people to make Tawbah should be the number one objective in our lives because it can completely transform someone. It has an incredible purifying, cleansing effect which is far more yani, uh, powerful in magnitude than any sin. Than any sin. Which is why Allah forgives every sin with Tawbah. And why the major sins require Tawbah. So if people understand that, if people understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, is so proud of, the, of human beings' worship that he boasts every time they praise him and they worship him to the angels, it's because we're sinners. That's the reason. Which is why, if, and if you understand that, then you recognize how important Tawbah is. If you recognize that, then you understand just how important it is for us to be encouraging people always to remember this lesson that we're talking about. The content of what we're talking about now is actually really important for, from a formative point of view. So Allah then continues. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ says that when the slave then says, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is the most merciful, uh, the especially merciful, then... Allah turns to the angels and you see, did you see that? My, my slaves, abdi. He, he eulogized me, he praised me. Maliki yawmiddin. He's the Lord of the, 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 of, of the, of the day of judgment. He's a, the, the, that's it, he's the king of that day. And then Allah says, did you see that to the angels? Again, so proud. And he says, majadani abdi. My slave has just exalted me. It's all about us praising, Allah recognizing it as praise, Allah being super happy and, and, and proud of that praise, and then telling the angels. And then we say, And then the conversation changes because then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the angels, Did you see that? This is, This is between me and my slave. And now, this is the key. My servant will get whatever they ask for. 
Wali Abdi Masa'al. For my slave, whatever they ask for is theirs now. Go, go, go. Then we ask for the most comprehensive, complete dua that deals with dunya and akhirah. That's it. That's it. That, if it's accepted, it's game over. Because if you're on the guided path, that means that you'll get the best in this dunya whether you like it or not, and you're going to get the best in the akhirah whether you like it or not. And it's almost like, if you don't understand what that path is, then it's that sirat al-ladina an'amta alayhim. It's that path, which is more for us, not for Allah, it's the path of those people that you're happy with. And we know later on then, Allah tells us who they are. They are the anbiya, they are the siddiqeen, they are the shuhada, the martyrs, the truthful, the prophets. It's the best yani, company. So, yani, if you study Fatiha, you've understood that we need to praise before we ask. And if you understood Fatiha, then you understand that in your daily kind of lives, in your acts of worship, when you're making dua yourself personally, when you're doing your, you know, when you want something, you know, and you really want it, you recognize then, you know, why is it that culturally, all of us, we understand that if you really, really want something, you need something, or you're in a desperate moment, you've got to wake up for tahajjud. You're going to have to ask it. Why do we know? Because we recognize that that's probably the best form of thanking Allah it's because it's most difficult, right? And you're waking up and you pray your, 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 your two, four, eight, whatever you're going to pray, and then you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that forgiveness. You know that He comes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us that He is coming down at that time. Here's the interesting thing. I was thinking about this, this the other day, the hadith of Nuzul. Actually, it's going to be mentioned, the hadith of the descent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the lowest heaven. So Allah descends, we all know this, yeah? Most authentic hadith there is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends to as-sama'a dunya, which is the lowest of the, of the heavens. It's the heaven of the sky, effectively. Okay, the, our, our zone, whatever that is, wherever it is. But it's our local kind of heaven or sky. And he descends in a manner which we don't understand, in a manner which befits his majesty. And he repeats the same statement every single night. Every single night. Where are the people seeking forgiveness so I may forgive them? Where are the people who want mercy so I may have mercy upon them? Where are the people who are asking for things so I may give them? Right? You know what I realized? No one associates tahajjud time with not praying. However, the hadith does not mention praying. Did you think about that? You get what I'm saying? The hadith does not say that he descends and looks at his servants who are praying. You know what I'm saying? It just says, Allah descends and calls out, where are the people? Where are the people? Where are the people? Which means that if a person is awake at that time and asks, then they should be given. And there is no evidence to suggest that a person would not be forgiven. That's, do you understand that fact? Now look at our practice. Our cultural and religious practice is that it would be impossible for us to wake up at that time and think that you don't pray. Do you know what I mean? That you wouldn't even pray to raka'ah. You would be like... like is ingrained in our minds and that's because culturally the religious principle has made its way into the culture and we know that if you're going to ask Allah for something put something forward first you get what I'm saying and I was uh, uh, like someone asked me last week I think or maybe it was in Denmark where it was you know um, where I told them about you know what the sunnah is after salah in terms of dua and thinking what's bid'ah what's not bid'ah whatever and we're talking about dua and uh, some people were saying that uh, one person came up to me and said, but I have to make dua in uh, salah. She, did, she didn't understand what I said. I said that to have the gathering, uh, a congregational dua 
every salah without fail to the extent that you start to believe that the prayer is incomplete until everyone lifts their hands. Okay, this is bid'ah. There's no doubt about it. In fact, there's a consensus of all scholars on that. She understood from me that I said that making dua after salah is bid'ah. Right? And what was interesting is what she said. She goes, how can it be bid'ah? How can we thank our parents if we don't make that dua? That's what her exact words were. Okay? And those exact words is actually what Imam Sufyan ibn Uyayna said. Alright? He said that if you want to thank your parents properly, then make dua for them after the prayer. The idea being that you've got to put something forward like big time to then ask for something big time. And asking for dua for your parents is like the best and biggest where it gets. It's like an act of ibadah in itself, right? It's like, it's the top birul walidain. To make dua is, is just up there. So you're asking a big thing. So you put a big thing forward and there's nothing bigger than an obligatory prayer. There's nothing bigger than an obligatory prayer. It's like, you know, it's, it's number one action you can do. So an obligatory prayer gets offered to Allah as a sacrifice, as an offering, and then you make your dua. And people are brought up upon that kind of, that's not stated by the Prophet Sallallahu And it's not something which is super clear from, the, from the, the sources, but it's implied from Quran, implied from the general principles. And these implied general, gener, generational principles that get spread over the years then make their way into culture so that people kind of give them their own names and theories and ideas so and so that you think if i pray i've got to make uh, raise my raise my hands after and i've got to pray and i've got to make dua for my parents and my my uh, how's it go uh, my teachers and uh, how's it go how's it go come on and as you say come on about that i know you know it come on yes you do man come on man all packs know it what's the dua that you say Come on, it was, you are so flipping sellouts. Come on, you packies, man. Come on, Bengalis, come on. What is it? No? Nadif knows, but he's embarrassed. And I've completely forgotten it. I, I used to learn it, but in Pukhto when we were young. How's it go? I'm not going to continue until someone says it, by the way. Yes, you have. The du'a where you ask for forgiveness for yourself and for your parents, for your teachers, 124,000 prophets, etc., etc., etc. Yes or no? Why are you saying that? I've got online. Listen, you're not trying to blag it. These lot are going to come forward now. Okay? <laughs> they're going to they're gonna say, yes, it's true. Come on, guys, online. Tell me that. Okay? Huh? <laughs> no. Definitely have a Pukhto version that we were all taught as kids, like everyone is. I can just remember Ustazuna from the, from the, from the uh, dua. Anyway, but the point is, is that there are certain things... I'm very disappointed, to be honest. Hasib, <laughs> I think you know it. No, no, no. I think your parents taught you this dua at the end of Salah. Alright, let me ask you a question. When you were young, and you were taught your Salah, Namaz, you were told to say, Rabbi Ja'al Mukim As-Salati. Agreed? Yes. Are we roughly happy with that? Yes, yes? Before, before Taslim, I mean. Agreed? So now you know what I mean by what your parents taught you. That's what I mean. Your parents taught you, Allahumma. Agreed? Right. What did your parents teach you to say in your du'a? There you go. Pax. There's got to be a couple of lines. There's no way that you lot were told you don't make du'a. You were told to make du'a. Yes or no? Are you guys telling me that you weren't? Is that what it is? 
Yara, my guy is here. My guy is here. I've been waiting for the chief all day. Chief, take it away. They don't. That's you were just told like am. Yeah, maybe, maybe. No, 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 it's not. You know, it's not because my parents taught me before my father even went to that Abril kind of path. It's a Pata- The Patans definitely have it. No, they don't. They do. No, don't. Oh my God. You're a millennial, what do you know? Exactly. Exactly, millennials don't know anything. No, 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 we don't judge millennials. Don't worry, you're muff. You are fully forgiven. We don't expect anything from millennials. Don't worry. I'm talking old school. Yeah, plastic. 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 Come on, come and tell me. Nothing? Yeah, ask your dad. Someone ask the mum dad. Ask them, what is it that, yani, that you say in your dua? No, it's not going to be on Google, bro. This is pre Google. See, Ambrina is there. Ambrina said it. Um, Hasnain, that's not good enough. Nadim, I want to hear it. Naveed, I mean after. There isn't one. Right. That is it. You know what it is? You know what it is? You push me to that place. I'm going to call my dad. No, I'm going to call my mom. Honestly, still praying, yeah. 100%. Unbelievable. Tell him what's the dua. Go on. Behave yourself. (laughs) Tell him his dua that asks for forgiveness for the teachers, for the for the for the for the for the prophets. What's the dua that you say, you know, when you ask forgiveness for yourself and for your parents and, and your, 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 the, the prophets, all 124,000 and whatever? You plastic baton, useless pack, you get out of it, man, bloody rejected. Unbelievable. Oh, man, whenever you want someone, not around. That's now really. You know what's amazing? We've got these people here. Like Umm Hasnain, who's just translating the dua into Arabic. Yeah, they do. Yeah. You see, Allahumma wali wali wal jamil I don't want the Arabic. I just want to prove to you that you were taught a dua. I'm asking, okay, I'm asking you a separate question. Are you all now in front of me saying to me that you lot were not taught by your parents how to make dua? Impossible. They taught you to say subhanakallahumma, they taught you how to say this, that, and Rabbi Ja'ali, and didn't tell you what to make saying dua. Really? Is that what you were told? No, but alone, alone. I mean, I mean, custom, lazy packy. That's it. Wow. All right. Then I'll take it. If everyone is agreeing, then 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 I, I can't disagree. I can tell you now that our people, we were taught. My brother, my sister, all our people. I don't care. Yeah, okay, Rehan, Yani. Yeah, this is pre Brillo days. Yeah, that's a proper key Brillo right there, look. <laughs> so, listen, we only got five minutes left, okay? Yeah, only five minutes left. So, let's, um, 
Uh, anyway, <laughs> the chief's like, what? What? <laughs> chief's like, yeah, Kiyori. <laughs> right. So, uh, what did I want to say? Anyway, I think you understand now how, how, why. And by, by the way, you might think this is all just a waffle. Okay? And the reason it's not waffle is because, you know, you know, when you, when, you know language. Language. It's so, 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 so important to understand because of its impact upon people. Right? This is basically anthropology. This is obviously my area. I love this area. But I, I want you to understand that anthropology, the study of people and their, their everything about them and their language and their culture and what it impacts upon them, it is very important in teaching religion. Hold on a minute. Salah's nine. Yeah, so what are you thinking? Rah. Bro, we have to like wrap up in two minutes. Rah. Okay, right. Um... No, no, it just it occurred to me for some reason, I thought it was 9.15 for some reason. Right, right. Anyway, um, like, uh, if you want to understand, if you want to give da'wah to people, if you want to help people, I mean, if you are serious about your religion, that you want to understand it, you also want to understand what is right and wrong and what's true and what's cultural, and you also want to know how to get through to people and through their prejudices and through their kind of filters and whatever, then you need to understand where they're coming from. And if you understand what they use and how they are subjective in their approach, if you see a people that are calling du'a al-istiftah thana' and they don't know of any other aspect except that it is a praise but they don't even understand the basis behind it, you can use that to explain to them why their lack of Arabic language has made them fixated on that concept without even understanding what it means. Like the word orat. Yeah? Orat. It's the most innocent kind of uh, word ever. Right? Orat. It means what? Woman. Woman. But no one questions where on earth did Orat come from, right? For a woman. And if then you look at the people who use it most, right? Paks use it, but Patans overuse it, okay? And it's therefore no surprise that Paks are the strictest upon, and Patans are the strictest upon their women. Because they really see their women as Orat, meaning Aura. Okay, they're like, and your aura is what? The hidden part of your body. You've got to hide it. You're not allowed to display it. So when you, I want you to know that it's not just religious tradition that makes a people. It's their cultural background that finds a religious little home and then develops it. So when you go, when you, I mean, we can argue here what will come first, the chicken or the egg. Was, did the Patans become conservative? Or, uh, and then they started utilizing certain concepts within the religion? Or were they conservative, made a few kind of nice connections, and then started to propagate it? Do you know, do you, do you know what I'm trying to say? Is it that they said, you know, we cannot imagine a woman being outside uncovered in any single way, full niqab, full burqa. You know that when you look at the position of Ibn Abbas, we're going into niqab for a second, that Ibn Abbas's opinion was complete covering of the face with nothing for the eyes, and then, then he changed his opinion to one eye only, slit yani, to be able to see the way. That is how strict the early Muslims were on the concept of niqab and burqa and khimar and hijab, etc., etc. Now you could say early versions of that, conservative, pure Islam, went to different areas, resonated with a certain people and their culture at that time and then they took from it what they wanted and then you've got Aurat yeah, for, from Aura 
Now, if you were to talk, if you were to imagine and bring that concept to this culture here, there's no no understanding that a woman is like aura. It's the exact opposite. It's like woman is like non aura, right? So she'd be called ghair aurat or something. You know what I'm saying, right? It's like it's like now who are the other really strict people in the world? At Arabs, yes. And what do they call their women? What do they call them? Harim, Hurma. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Where did that suddenly come from? How is a woman haram? But now you get it. It's like she's haram, everything's haram, she's sacred, she's sacrosanct, she's like, you know, to be covered, to be, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Your coach. So that's the point of understanding language and how it's appropriated or misappropriated, maybe, as the case may be, who knows? But that's the, the, uh, the, the, the thing I, was, uh, I, I wanted to, to bring to the fore. Anyway, yeah, yeah, Mu'min has just uh, uh, said that. Okay. Uh, any quick questions? <laughs> yeah. Good one. Human beings. Like that one. All right. Any questions down below? Because I'm going to uh, uh, call this one to a... Uh, anything. Any questions here on what we said so far? Because yeah, in the next session, definitely we are going straight into actually what we were meant to start at the, end, in, at the beginning of the last session. Uh, can one recite both versions, thana and dua, meaning multiple from the masnoon dua b- b- before the fatiha, or is it the sunnah to only recite one? That's what we're going to cover in the next session, inshallah. Okay. Um, I think we're done. Thana uh, actually means tribute. Tribute, yeah. Compliment and to load, load something. Yeah, compliment. So, so, rah, you sick guy. Uh, compliment. What's the difference between compliment and praise? Yeah, you see the problem with compliment is that that's also only if you recognize it. Tribute. And a tribute is sometimes given posthumously and yeah, yeah, okay. I, th- I like it. I like it. Compliment and, and uh, uh, thingy. I don't know about the Solange Tashdeed. You've got 10 seconds to ask it again because I don't know about the Tashdeed. Um, That's a nice uh, question, uh, Rafi. I need to think about that. The answer is no, but I can't give you a proof of why not. Okay, I need to look at the tafsir. She says, And we see that the way that you turn your face to the, to the heavens. This is not to be taken literally. Yeah, and what uh, Rafi is saying is that, does that mean that the Prophet would look to the heavens? And we know that he didn't, he prohibited that with the strongest prohibition ever. And this is meant in a general way. But she could argue, what's your proof? Right, because the ayah is meant to be taken literally. I would say because the hadith specifies it. She should re- respond and say, this ayah came before the ahkam of where to look in salah. And that would, she'd be right. Rafia, you'd be right if you used that one. So, uh, oh, um, uh, 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 the, qu- the question of tabarak kasmuka. It's not a shadda, it's because of the scene. Okay, uh, 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 you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, Solange, the double S there is not because of the scene, not because there's a shedda, but because when we say it and you tr- you write it in English, if you write tabara kesmuka, you know when you say kesmuka, if you don't spell it double S, you will lose the spelling and it becomes tabara kesmuka. That's why, and the, I I call that like a shedda because a shedda is effectively pronouncing a word clearer because it occurs twice or something like that. Okay? But we're coming to that, Rayhan, inshallah. Uh, Abida, you might need to reload. 
And that is the end of this lesson. Zakmullah khair subhanakallahu bihamdika shadu Allah ilaha illa antwa astaghfirullahum wa atubu alaykum wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah.